0: This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. In a world without a single unified voice, humanity
1: has been left searching for answers to the unknown. Now,
0: one podcast has the power to change that and to spread its voice across the earth for all mankind to hear.
1: Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast.
0: We interrupt this program to annoy you and make things generally irritating. You. Get
2: you us know, some kind of jet. I ain't
0: waiting to get a handle
2: you
3: know, like that. Big cracking deal. Loud oh, noises. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 42 of Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, your humble host. And uh, with me tonight is, uh, I've got a couple of guests here. Uh, First of all, joining us once again is the host of several shows on the Simply Syndicated Network and a good friend we're always happy to talk to. Rick, how are you, sir?
2: The force is with me. I am one with the force.
3: (laughs) I knew somebody was going (laughs) to (laughs) say. And uh, back with us is our friend to the north, Mr. Kennedy Gordon. How are you, sir?
0: Hey, I'm doing great. Glad to be here.
3: How uh, How was everybody's holiday? Nice. Yeah
0: got to see a star wars movie
3: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah there was a star wars movie that came out wasn't there (laughs) but uh (laughs) but happy new year to all of the uh listeners this this is our first episode of 2017 and we really haven't done a show in five or six weeks but and my god a lot of stuff has happened in the last (laughs) last five or six weeks but um we're gonna stick to talking about uh the movies and tv side of things and not not as much about the people that we lost last month, because uh, as a as a sci-fi as science fiction and fantasy film fans, we all felt real and actual pain when we heard about uh, Carrie Fisher's passing. But there's not really a whole lot that we can say that hasn't already been said on other podcasts and everything. But rest assured, her death was felt by all of us as much as if if a uh, member of our actual family had had passed away. So. Rest in peace, Carrie Fisher.
2: I realized something yesterday because there was a, a story involving Marie Osmond that uh, i won't won't go into but uh i I had forgotten that Carrie Fisher or more specifically Princess Leia uh actually rescued me from a uh, a an all consuming crush that I had as an eleven year old boy <laughs> on Marie Osmond so. When I when I had my my crush on Princess Leia after seeing Star Wars, uh, that was a much healthier thing, I think. Yeah. Well,
3: I I just know when when I heard actually I had gone to see Rogue One the day that she went into the hospital. Like I was on my way home and I heard it on the radio that she was in the hospital, and um, you know of course I was concerned, you know. But then a few days later when we found out she passed, you, it felt like a member of your family had died. You know, because she's somebody that we've watched as Star Wars fans for years and our entire lives, you know. Um, So but I I did want to bring that up. But one thing I did want to discuss is it, it does look like from everything that I've read, they filmed all of her scenes completely before she passed away for Episode eight. So, yes, when that film, which I don't know how big her role is in that film. But, um, you know, she was only in what, maybe three scenes in The Force Awakens. But um, I wanted to ask you guys what you thought. If you thought that they would work something into the story for this movie that would kill off her character, or if you think they'll just stop stop having her in the movies.
0: Well, according to what I read today, the Disney Corporation didn't waste any time in... Uh, reaching out to her family and her estate to talk about how to keep her in the series in some capacity. Ah, okay. So whether it's that same CGI that we saw in in Rogue One or if maybe it's some kind of new concept, we won't know until, of course, Episode 9 is, is done. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm sure that you guys probably have stronger opinions about it. But if there's a way to keep her in the series in some capacity without recasting... I think it should probably be explored.
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll dare recast her.
0: Yeah, I. Without knowing what
2: uh, what episode eight is going to be about, it's really hard to speculate on how they'll deal with the character. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll talk more about this later as we discuss Rogue One. But uh, I, you know, this may sound cruel. I'm not trying to be flip about this. I, but I think that a CGI older. General Leia will be a hell of a lot easier because she was Botox so much her face didn't move anyway.
0: Too soon, dude.
2: I'm not saying that as a joke. I mean that was one of my one of my criticisms, uh, if you call it a criticism, really, of uh, of the Force Awakens was that Mm -hmm. her, you know. Her face barely moves at all. Well,
0: she you know, she didn't for... look the way she really looked. It was, and I'm sure Mark Hamill has gone through the same process to uh, to get back into shape for these movies. Uh, it, it's a fact of life. I mean, these are older people. Harrison Ford does it the way he does it. He looks like an ancient skeleton in that movie, <laughs> um, but that that works for him. Hey, whatever works.
3: I did. I, I thought that she. I mean, she she looked better in The Force Awakens than she has in other video and pictures that I had seen of her in recent years. I thought that she was at, and when she was in the Force Awakens. Of course, you know, uh movie quality makeup and lighting and all that kind of stuff will do that, but you know, she, I thought she looked pretty good compared to what she could have looked like, I guess.
0: Be- yeah. Beautiful to the end no matter what. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. I, and I adored her. I, you know, her her last interviews. Uh, when she was on the, you know, on the press tour for The Force Awakens and for her her, her last book, The Princess Diarist, uh, she was—I mean, she was a pistol right up to the end. It, it was, you know, she she was she was a force of nature, and you know, she got knocked down over and over again, and she just kept getting back up, and and uh, you know, that was when when I heard that she was in the hospital, I was—I I even said on Twitter, I think, you know, if. If there's a if there's a, a you know a broad out there tough enough to get through this, it's her. Yeah. And I use that that term specifically because I have a feeling that she would she would appreciate that being called that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also know as uh, you know a very very long uh, what word am I looking for? That's not right. I've I've been trained in in CPR and first aid for most of my adult life and. The the you know the statistics aren't good. While while getting CPR is better than not, if your heart isn't isn't pumping, the statistics on surviving after you've had to have CPR for an extended amount of time are not good. And uh, she just she she lived a little too hard to, to really pull out of it. I'm afraid. Yeah.
3: But, um, sad. yeah, I'm going to, I want to, I want to pick things up just a little bit before we, before we start talking about Please. some <laughs> of the, uh, the more lighthearted things. But, uh, in, in the last episode of 2016, I started a new, uh, segment based on the, there, there's a magazine or there used to be a magazine called mental floss. It's, uh, used to be published here in Birmingham, but it, it, had moved into uh moved to new york in recent years but it's basically a a magazine that's full of just trivia stuff and they had their last issue last month and so one of the things i'm doing on the show sporadically is i'm going to their website they have a thing called an amazing fact generator and i'm just going to spout off three random facts and it doesn't have to be anything that we actually talk about we can talk about it if you want to but i'm just going to spout off three random facts before we go into our uh our topics for the night. So, uh, Fire away. it's got a button that says, hit me. So you click it and it says in Gainesville, Georgia, the poultry capital of the world, it's illegal to eat fried chicken with a fork. <laughs> so there is that Didn't surprise. Me. That is a fact. So, uh, and then yeah. click it. And it says, hit me again. Uh, studies in space have shown that birds cannot survive in weightlessness In weightless environments since they require gravity in order to swallow food. John Irons just got online. I will uh, let me do one. Let me do one more before I try to add him. Uh, chewing gum does burn off calories, but it would take two weeks of continuous chewing to burn off the equivalent of one pound of fat.
0: So there you I go. Could probably do that though.
3: Everybody, I think yeah. I could probably yeah. pull that off. Everybody is just a little <laughs> bit smarter now. So, <laughs> are you there, John? I. Uh, and there was much rejoicing. All right. <laughs> Well, I mean, we got we. I've got one one small topic that I wanted to talk about before we got into uh, talking about uh, Rogue One. Did any of you guys watch the Doctor Who Christmas special?
0: Yes. No uh,
3: sir. You got yeah, Kennedy and John. You guys didn't watch it. No. Okay. So. Yeah, we watched it. I'm not going to say anything that'll spoil the episode, but. It was, I think you can. yeah, I mean, it was just, it was an okay episode. I mean, it was, I was. Well, there wasn't anything that
2: wasn't in the trailer. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's true. If you know the premise, that's kind of the the only spoiler.
3: I was kind of hoping for something a lot bigger because uh, this is the only episode that we got in 2016. They didn't do a season last year at all. Um, I kind of. I had the feeling that the stakes wouldn't be as high as they usually are for a Christmas episode, because if you remember most a lot of the Christmas episodes, like really big things happen, you know some the the doctor regenerates on Christmas episodes and things like that, which I knew that wasn't going to happen, but um but I was kind of hoping that it was set up the next season a little more, but basically, we got one episode in two thousand sixteen, and it was a filler episode. You know, yeah. so the, but the, the the premise was that the doctor is back from spending his uh, his final twenty four year long night with River from from last Christmas, and he happens across a boy that's obsessed with comic books and calls him Doctor Mysterio, and the the joke here is that in Spanish speaking countries they call Doctor Who Doctor Mysterio. That's the name of the show there, so. Um,
2: oh, he has some I kind of a, that.
3: yeah, he, he has some kind of a crystal that gives him some ambiguous powers that, <laughs> that, um, he, he gives the little boy to hold and the little boy swallows it because he thinks it's medicine and the crystal gives him superpowers. But the biggest problem that I had with the episode is that if, if Moffat wanted to create a superhero for the story, I wish he had been a little more creative with the powers because basically he just made Superman. <laughs> yeah i mean it was yeah. uh, he had the same po- he had the same exact powers as superman you know
2: i mean it it wasn't it wasn't bad and my wife liked it just fine um i just found all of the interaction between the lois lane metaphor and the clark kent superman metaphor yeah. to be absolutely flat and boring yeah <laughs> and I, I, there, there was that that dinner scene that was I just I wanted to turn it off it was just <laughs> I was literally bored and uh, it just it was it was yeah it was I mean it was you know the Christmas specials can either be big or they can be flying sharks or you know <laughs> inside a giant tree uh, you know so they kind of it, it's not always earth-shattering uh, but this was just meh. It was just epically meh.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it it probably would have been a little better if they had just done a normal length episode because I watched this on BBC America, so it had the commercials in it and it was 90 minutes long. You know, which is is long for a Doctor Who episode. If you watch Doctor Who, usually on uh, some service that doesn't have commercials, it's usually a 45 minute episode. Maybe 42 minutes, something like that. But this one, if you watch without commercials, it would be right at sixty minutes. So there was a there was a half hour commercials in there for one thing, and um, and that's just that's a long time for this episode. If they had to cut it back, trimmed it back to make it just a standard length episode, but I know they felt like, well, we've got to make it a longer episode because it's the only one we're doing this year. And it's like, well, that doesn't matter if all you're going to give us is a Superman story with the doctor in the background, <laughs> you know. But um, yeah, but yeah, so.
1: I, I do intend to watch it, um, despite the current reviewing. Um,
2: it, it's like I said. It's, it's it's worth watching. It's not painful. It's it it just eh. yeah. If if it hadn't been the only episode we got in a year, eh,
3: we're all right. Yeah, it's not it's not a bad episode. It's just it's a standard filler episode. It just was not what I was expecting, having been so long since I got a new episode.
1: So here's my question. Okay. Uh, is there a Christmassy
3: tie in? It's the very beginning. There's a Christmas tree. <laughs> that uh, Seriously. That's the only reference to Christmas that I can remember in the episode. There's a, there's a Christmas tree in the little boy's bedroom when he first meets him and it's snowing outside you know. Yeah, you know,
1: so. I think that might be the most disappointing thing of all.
3: <laughs> yeah, especially since they've actually had Santa Claus as a character. <laughs> <to> well, <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: but that wasn't necessarily a good thing.
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, but even like they always there's always either overt or just, you know, subliminal Christmas. Well,
3: yes, yeah, cuz the, epi- uh, the episode uh, the not- yeah. episode where uh the episode where uh Matt Smith regenerated into Peter Capaldi, he was actually in a town called Christmas for the entire episode. You know? right. <laughs> so
2: would you like an update on what's going on with the CBS Paramount versus Axanar situation?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Okay. Uh, because things have, things have started up again. Um, there, there's been a long period where nothing's been going on. Uh, f- have you talked, have we talked about this on the show? Do folks? Yeah, it's been a while, but what, we, had, we yeah, we that? did talk about it before.
3: We should recap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, a little over a year ago, well, I guess going like two years ago now, uh, a man by the name of Alec Peters put out a, a Star Trek short film, fan film called Prelude to Axanar, and it was done in a documentary style. It was a bunch of talking heads, had people like uh, Richard Hatch and, and Terry, uh, Tony Todd and uh, J.G. Hertzler, lots of, lots of Star Trek alumni, uh, and it was talking about – The the Battle of Axanar, where we where Garth of Izar, if you're familiar with TOS, uh, he was a a character in one episode, uh, uh, made his you know uh, became famous, Mm -hmm. Uh, and it was it was I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, and they were using that as a as a uh, 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 a Kickstarter, and also as an Indiegogo to raise funds to do a full fully produced feature-length film called Axanar. Uh, and I was excited about it. A lot of people were excited about it. They raised $1.4 million. And then things started to get squirrely. Uh, and people started to not get the, the, uh, the, the perks they signed up for. And uh, Alec Peters started going on podcasts talking about how this was going to be the most professional fan film ever made and how uh, how much better it was going to be than everything else. And they were selling things that were that were licensed as Axanar stuff. Uh, like ship models and Axanar coffee and things like this. All kinds of stuff. And I, I remember thinking, this is getting dangerously close to infringement. Yeah. Because CBS and Paramount have been very good about turning a blind eye to fan films. As long as they don't cross... You know they don't cross that line into making money off of intellectual property that they don't own, right.
0: or into quality.
2: <laughs> the, the the quality's kind of an iffy, but yeah, um, they, they've it, it's been pretty clear <laughs> what's a fan film. Um, and then uh, Axnar put out a, a like a five minute short called "quote unquote" the Vulcan scene, uh, which was the guy that played Soval in Enterprise, and I can never remember his name.
3: Yeah. Gary Grant. There you go. Yeah. I was about to say Alienation um, Dude. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's him. Dude. Yeah. Uh and he's playing Soval in, in Axanar. And it, it was just it was just kind of to him and another character walking in front of a green screen, but it was all you know showing what the, the effects were gonna look like. And then now some of this is still is still in the alleged category, but allegedly CBS at uh one of the major cons some of the representatives of CBS had a meeting with Alec and according to Alec said, everything's great. According to CBS, they said, dude, back off now. Yeah. Uh, he didn't, uh, he basically doubled down, uh, and CBS Paramount slapped him with a, uh, copyright infringement lawsuit. Uh, it turns out that the $1.4 million that they raised is gone. Uh, They got a few sets built, but nothing shot except for that Vulcan scene, which was all in front of a green screen. Uh, But what he was doing, or what he is doing, again, allegedly, is he used the money raised from the Kickstarter campaigns, from the the crowdsourcing campaigns, under the the, uh, belief that he would be making a Star Trek fan film. He used that money to build a studio, rather than renting space and just doing it like all the other... uh, fan productions do he bought a warehouse or he, he leased a warehouse and built it out to be a studio that he was planning to rent out to make a, as a for-profit endeavor. Yeah. And that, that was what brought, C- brought the wrath of CBS down on them. Um, uh, there, there are other things that they are putting into the lawsuit, but that was, that was kind of the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, fast forward to uh, the beginning of this month. Uh, both sides, as is kind of standard in situations like this, made motions for summary dismissal, which the judge refused. Uh, and then the holidays happened, and then the, what recently happened two weeks ago is both both sides had made uh, motions for a summary judgment, which means that the judge looks at the uh, looks at the 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 evidence, all of all of the stuff, and says okay. One side has indisputable evidence that they are, that they are right, that they are in the right and that there is no point in going before a jury because uh, nothing is disputable. Therefore I judge for you and this is done. Well, Paramount said, you know, wanted the judge to rule in their favor mm-hmm. so that they didn't have to go to trial saying this is very obviously infringement. Axenar motioned for summary dismissal uh or summary judgment because they're saying that their work is transformative and not at all similar to star trek and and falls under fair use uh and 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 i think those were the three main things and the judge said no it isn't and denied their their fair use claim so that is out so now it's going to trial at the end at the end of january and uh Without going, if, if you want more details, go to on Facebook. Go to CBS Paramount versus Axonar. It's a public group. You can join it. You don't even have to join to, join to read it. It's my favorite soap opera right now. <laughs> uh, um, the 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 sheer levels of hubris coming out of the Axonar camp are staggering. Um, and I, I won't I won't say anything more because I don't want to I don't want to. Cause any trouble? Well, the whole but, the uh, whole
3: thing has got is got the future of crowdfunding in jeopardy because there's a lot of people that don't want to give money to crowdfunding projects because of stuff like this because they don't know the people that are actually behind the uh, that, that's actually, actually accepting the money they don't know what they're actually going to do with their money and it's also got the future of any type of fan productions in jeopardy. You know, I interviewed Vic Mignona. Uh, a, a while back for the Prime Direction, and of course he didn't. Uh, he didn't come out and say, you know, those jerks over at Accent are messing everything up, you know. But he kind of hinted at fix a class act. Yeah, well, he, he didn't. He, he kind of hinted at that he doesn't know what the future is. That they've got episodes that they're going to make that haven't been released yet. But he did say that they're not accepting any more funding. That all the money that they need to make the shows that they're going to do in the future, they've already got. So. So yeah. they're not accepting yeah. any more money, but you don't know if they're actually going to get to make those episodes because CBS may put the hammer down on all of it. So,
2: Granted, this is some wishful thinking because I'm very impressed with Star Trek Continues, and I think Vic is awesome. Uh, the, the whole group over there is fantastic. Uh, I think, in my uneducated opinion, that uh, no matter what happens with Axenar, I think Star Trek Continues will be allowed to finish their what they started.
3: I hope so, because yeah. out of all the... F- the fan films that you find on YouTube. I mean, just look, go to YouTube and put in uh, star Trek fan films and you will see some terrible television. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but star Trek continues is as close to the real thing as you can get with a fan production. They really take their time and they, they really try to do a, a good job, especially with the sets and the effects. It almost looks like you're watching the original show. You know, if you can yeah. just just take into account that it's different people playing these characters, you know, if you can get past that, they actually have some pretty good stories too. So, well, before we get into the meat of the episode, I just want to take a a second because I have a prize to give away, and I'm going to give away a Rogue One Funko Pop vinyl figure. I don't know which character it'll be because I haven't bought it yet, but I have <laughs> I have, a, I, have a, I have Jen Urso sitting here on my desk looking at me right now, but um. Oh, I wish I could say that. Uh, Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm going to give away one that's brand new in the box, and I may actually just order it straight from Amazon and ship it to the winner. But um, all you have to do to win the figure is answer five trivia questions about Rogue One and be the first one to email me with all five correct answers. But the catch is that I'm not going to give you the questions here on the show. If you want to try to win, then you have to go to our new YouTube channel and watch the debut video that I posted there yesterday. Or actually, the day before yesterday. Uh, In that video, I give you all five questions you don't give your answers as a comment to the video or anything like that. Email me at mail at cosmic com. And if you're the first one to get all five questions, right, then you will win that figure. And if you three guys want to know, want to find out if you know the answers to the questions, I'll tell you at the end of the show. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. And, um, and it, it, you can find a link to the YouTube channel on our Facebook page and our Twitter feed, but you can also just go to YouTube and search for cosmic potato. The only thing is that you're going to find like three channels that are called cosmic potato. So just click on the one that has our show logo on it and you'll find us. And it's the only video on the, on the channel right now. So you'll, you'll be able to watch the right one. <laughs> so, um, but our main discussion, uh, tonight is going to be about rogue one. So rogue one is a, uh, is a movie that we all saw recently. And, uh, I don't think very many people people knew that it was coming out. Some of you may not have ever heard of it, but <laughs> but uh, Rogue it was it was
2: pretty under the radar. Yeah, I'm sure. telling you yeah. that.
3: Yeah, Disney really dropped the ball on 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 letting people know that it was coming. <laughs> but uh, Rogue One. I mean, it was no John Carter, but uh, <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story, which I I still don't really like the title. I wish it was just called Star Wars Rogue One, but. A, a Star Wars story kind of make it makes it sound like a like a kids book or something, you know. But um, well, they're going out of their way to make sure that these these the the quote unquote
2: stand, or the standalone movies are. It's very clear that they are not part of the main saga.
3: Yeah, I understand. I understand. I just wish that they had found a. I don't know a different, just a star Wars story just sounds kind of corny to me, but but then technically the the movie is just called rogue one because when the movie is on the title card comes up and it just says rogue one, it doesn't say star Wars anywhere on the screen. Um, I don't have to remind any of you what it's about, but I will anyway. So this is the story <laughs> This is the story of the squadron that stole the plans uh, to the Death Star, the same plans that we see Princess Leia give to R2-D2 in the very first scenes of A New Hope. So I guess the best place to start would be by uh, just everybody giving a quick overall impression of the movie, and then we'll dig a little bit deeper. So Kennedy, why don't you start? What did you think of the movie overall?
0: Oh, it was a blast. I mean, I go to these movies with my my young son, and that's really to me the only way to enjoy these newer Star Wars movies. And I've been fortunate enough that I have, you know, two batches of kids. So the adult ones were this age when the last prequels came out, and I had a, you know I went to see those with them. Uh, my second batch of kids now are right at the age to enjoy these films as well. So I've seen all the new Star Wars movies with my son, who is now 13. And as much as I enjoyed them, watching a 13-year-old discover Star Wars is magic to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to discuss the film the way that Rick and I discuss stuff like this with a kid who doesn't like anything else that I like, (laughs) uh, it's great. So this was really something else because it was new characters we were discovering together. This was not me having to explain to him who was who or what was what. Uh, we went in not knowing anything about it, except that it was more or less the opening crawl of a new hope brought to life, and then away it went. And we got to see it happen, just like everybody else—a brand new set of legends. And we've been talking about it ever since. It's been what two or three weeks now since we saw it. And we'll we'll see it again in the theaters before it leaves.
3: Hmm. I'm probably gonna go see it again tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, John, what, what, what about you? Yeah,
1: I thought it was. I thought it was good. I I enjoyed it. I um, uh, I, I guess I was over-hyped because uh, you know it's the best movie ever, and, and I thought it was really good. But it wasn't. I didn't think it was amazingly astounding until the third act.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: I feel like I feel like the it the first be. act was kind of confusing, and the second act was okay, and you feel the momentum building, and third act was like some of the best movie i've ever seen ever it was fantastic at the end so it made it worth it um, but I, I will say that it that it felt um, kind of inconsistent like you could tell like you know much like the entire movie is a build up to you know a new hope the the, the first part of the movie is kind of a build up to uh, the last i uh, encounter i guess you call it yeah the the final epic battle scene uh, but it's not like I didn't enjoy uh, the earlier scenes but it just it you know it, it it didn't compare to me for that for that last half I guess or last third
2: Rick I loved it uh i I have never had high uh overly high expectations for star Wars uh you know well that's not true i uh, the prequel trilogy is what <laughs> what killed my, <laughs> my high expectations for Star Wars. And then over the years, uh, especially after um The Force Awakens came out and we saw all the, the cheesy tie-ins, and I started doing some research and because I, I I was like, Well, they're they're really kind of crapping on the dignity of Darth Vader and stuff. And then you go back to the commercials from nineteen seventy seven through nineteen eighty-two, there was never any dignity with Star Wars. Um so I just kind of I just kind of learned to to let go and enjoy. Um, I saw I saw it uh, last week for the second time, and I went and saw it in 3D because uh, we don't when when my wife and I go to see movies we don't do 3D because it makes her sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, so often what'll happen is with with a movie like this, if I go to see it again, uh, I'll go catch it at the IMAX so I can see if it's if the 3D really makes a difference. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't. The 3D didn't help. It didn't hurt, but it did. It just it it really made no difference. But the rest of the IMAX experience really did. The better sound, the be, the bigger screen, yeah. all that stuff was was really worth it. Um, I I will say that I think I had I don't want to say a bit of an advantage because that's that's kind of overhyping it. But I read slash listened to the book Catalyst, which is a prequel to Rogue One which is all about the, the story of how Galen Urso got involved in the Death Star project. Uh, it's all about how, Galen, uh, uh, how uh, Orson Krennic is involved. Uh, it gives a whole lot of backstory that really doesn't have any bearing on the events of Rogue One. Uh, and it ends when Jin is only like three or five, so it's not like you get a whole lot of backstory on her. But it does set up the atmosphere of... Of, uh, uh, of the movie. And it also really fleshes out the antagonism between Tarkin and Krennic. So I, I strongly recommend that book. It was a really good book. It's the only Star Wars novel I've made it through in the last 20 years. Um, it's really well written uh, and it's, it's a fun story, uh, but it also gave me this kind of foundation that I was able to put Rogue One on, and so I know a lot of people are kind of complaining about the, the lack of character development stuff. Y- you sort of get that in Catalyst.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I could see that about the lack of character development. I think that there were a lot of people in the movie. <laughs> That's one of the things that you yeah. that you read online. That one, some of the, the biggest gripes is that people thought that there were too many people in the movie, which I could see that. But um I thought that I, I saw Will Wheaton on tweet on Twitter saying that this was the best Star Wars movie since A New Hope. I don't know if I go that far. It's 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 a really good Star Wars movie, and I think that that John, what you were talking about that battle scene at the end. I think that's probably the best battle scene uh, that we've had since The Empire Strikes Back on Hoth. I think, and it's it, it's it's actually it looks better than that, but it's just. Better, yeah. As far as the, the the stuff going on on the planet and the stuff going on in space at the same time, you know, they showed us things that we've never really seen before in a Star Wars movie, and uh, and it was really cool. But you know, so ov- my overall impression is that I, I, I really like the movie. Uh, there's, there's a few chinks in the armor, you know, but that you can say that with any movie, it didn't have as many chinks as the prequels. <laughs> you know? Well. Yeah, Kennedy, you were saying a second ago that uh, y- your older kids their introduction to Star Wars was the prequels and I was sitting here
0: thinking, the prequels, yeah. yeah, I was sitting here thinking poor kids. <laughs> yeah, they're not they're not fans of Star Wars at all as a result. Yeah. You know, it just something that just came and way. It was just another movie for them. Uh, this one is different. Phantom Menace sold my younger kids in a big way. Even my 4-year-old daughter is obsessed with Princess Leia and Darth Vader right now. So that's that's really cool to watch happen. The magic that we had back in the 70s and early 80s seems to be back with these films uh, a little more than the, the prequels. Well, I mean, trade federations and politics. That's, <laughs> that's not kids. Stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Did, did it, has Emily seen it yet?
0: She's watched uh, The Force Awakens on Netflix, but she hasn't seen Rogue One. She's just discovering theater movies. So we've done um, Moana a couple of times. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Sing. She's been to that. She's been to an Ice Age film. But um, she's just discovering live action on TV and embracing it. If it's not a cartoon, up until now she's kind of turned her nose up at it. But she watches her big brother running around with Star Wars stuff, and she's fascinated by it. So,
2: yeah, it was. It's kind go. of the same with Sharon. I haven't. Uh, she she's watched The Force Awakens a bunch of times at home, and when Rogue One comes out on Blu-ray, uh, I'll get it. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's a little too much for for a five-year-old at it's this point. It's a little point.
0: darker, yeah. That's that's the big difference between the films, and that's something that we'll get into, I'm sure, as we talk about it, because the tone was very specifically different from the other films, and I, I liked that about it. But it, it's grim, it's dark. I have no idea what any of these characters' names are. I don't know what's going on. Who, who are these two guys in the temple? It's, it's, it was magic to just try to figure that stuff all out. I haven't read the book you talked about, but um, I was reading today that Marvel is putting out a six-part comic series... Um, an, an adapt- adaptation of this, that will include all the deleted scenes. So oh, cool. whether that means stuff that was deleted or stuff that was reshot, because we know a lot of this movie was reshot, Yeah, uh, it w- will flesh the story out even more beyond the film and beyond Catalyst. So I, I don't buy a lot of comics anymore, but I'll probably pick this up just to find out more and then pass them along to my kid and let him enjoy it.
2: Cool. Oh, by the way, just uh, one more thing. Uh,
0: Catalyst is canon. It, it, well, all the new books are apparently yeah, uh, they yeah. they wiped out the old ones and the new ones are
3: everything that Disney comes out with that star Wars related. It's all Canon, you know, star Wars rebels is Canon. Uh, all the books are Canon, all that stuff. Yeah. They, they're not doing like they did before. And what star Trek does with their stuff where they've got all this extra media, but none of it counts It's like everything counts, but you'll tell, you'll be able to tell in the way that they write the movies, if they write any of those characters in, into the movies, uh, in a, at a later point, they'll write it in a way so that people that don't read the books won't be completely lost. You know, you won't have to, you don't have to go and read three novels to be able to get what's going on in this in, in these movies. You but, know, but.
0: that was a brilliant move to wipe all those old novels out of whether or not they were canon. just take them off the table because most of those books came out in a period where the movies weren't happening, and Star Wars had sort of settled down, so they could just pump out these paperbacks one after the other, and nobody was paying all that much attention to them but to try to go back now and make new movies while taking that stuff into account it's an impossible task so disney did exactly the right thing and just jettisoned all that stuff
3: yeah i like that they kind of th- they kind of threw all that stuff out but little by little they're bringing a little bit of it in and just they putting can bring their, in
0: the stuff that works they can put yeah.
3: it where they want it you know uh, like uh, General uh, Thrawn, is it Thrawn? General Thrawn from Thrawn. Grand, 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 Admiral Grand Admiral Thrawn. Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, yeah Grand Admiral. Thrawn. Yeah, because his original story takes place after Return of the Jedi. Well, they've brought him back and they put him in Rebels, which takes place before A New Hope. You know, so they put him in a different point in the timeline. But now the character is canon. You know, which is, which I think that's cool. But I want to start. Is, is he is he in this season of, of Rebels? He's in season three, I believe, which I haven't watched yet. I just finished season two today.
2: Yeah, I haven't I haven't watched three yet, yeah.
3: so I'm I'm I'm, I'm behind because I think I think back back when season three started, I think I watched the trailer and I saw him in that one.
2: One more one more quick question: uh, Are are we spoiling?
3: Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna spoil. So if you okay. if you haven't seen Rogue One, then turn this off now because we're just gonna be four guys that's talking about a movie that we watched. So so uh, but I, I want to start at at the beginning of the movie and just kind of go through some of the things. First of all. Um, no opening crawl and no theme music. Now I understand why they did it because they want these movies to be separate, but I I, I kind of missed it. <laughs> you know, I want, I want the movie to after I see Lucasfilms and the the Lucasfilm logo come up, I want to hear that fanfare right after it and just see Star Wars, but you know, we didn't get it. But it was but it was all right, you know. It, it I made it. <laughs> but um, but the first scene takes place halfway between episode three and episode four, I think it's supposed to be uh, just a few years after episode three. And we see uh, members of the empire kill Jen's mother and take her father back with them. He's a scientist that's uh, forced to do research on Kyber crystals. And the one thing that I liked was I never heard of Kyber crystals before I watched rebels. I don't know how much in the Canon they were. I don't remember them ever saying anything about Kyber crystals in the original trilogy. They did, yeah. I think it's all stuff that came from legends, titles, and and comics, and things like that. But well, I can tell you where it first showed up. Okay, Uh, after Star Wars, the original
2: A New Hope, if you will, uh, a book was published written by Alan Dean Foster called Splinter of the the Mind's Eye, Eye. which was it wasn't an official sequel, uh, but a lot of us
0: thought based on Lucas's original. If I recall correctly, he didn't know if they would be able to finance a, c- a cinematic sequel to Star Wars. That's so right. He, re- that's he right. wrote a TV movie script, and that's what that was.
2: And in that one, and, and that book, because Lucas was was very much involved in it, that book, more than any other excuse people try to make, is, is proof positive that Lucas had no plans for Luke and Leia to be brother and sister. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's just forget this ever happened.
2: <laughs> um, but... In this book, uh, the, the the MacGuffin of the book is searching for the Kyber crystal, which is which is going to get which is it imparts massive force powers to whoever has it. And of course, Darth Vader is trying to get it, and Luke and Leia sort of inadvertently end up trying to get it. Um, it's been thirty years since I read it, so I don't remember all the details of the plot. Uh, but that's the first time it was mentioned. Uh, and then, as I understand it, uh, the Kyber crystals became a big thing in the expanded universe or extended universe, whatever EU stands for. Um, and it became, they were, they were the crystals that allow the Jedi to use lightsabers. And they were the reason why Sith sabers always red because they have to pervert a crystal or something. Uh, then it starts getting really esoteric and into, into nerdiness that even makes me cringe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so. But I think that um, explaining that the, uh, the weapon that the empire is building comes from the same thing that the Jedi powers their uh, lightsabers. I think that's a good call. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
2: I love, cause it makes the death star that much more evil that not only is it this giant planet killer, but it's also the ultimate perversion
3: of the Jedi. Right. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the characters that make up uh, the movie. So, so John, uh, who is your favorite character in this movie? Um, I, I know it's
1: kind of a cliche, um, but uh, the blind samurai, <laughs> and I would if I knew his name, I would say it. But I don't. I don't. I'm, I'm with you. Like I don't know any.
3: I don't know anybody. His names. name. I wrote him down. His name was. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce it correctly. But Chirup, Chirut Imway, played by Donnie Yin. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, I like that. Like because it's a. Kind of a cliche, you don't need a lot of explanation, but uh you know aside from he's a badass and he is which is nice um and the and I like that the his relationship to uh the other guy big gun guy is um i mean it's it's clear but it's completely undefined, you know yeah. You you get that they that they you know live and die for each other. They've known each other forever, but it's really kind of like are they related? Are they best friends? I considered are they lovers? You don't know. I've
3: heard I've know. heard a lot of that. Yeah, they that, that 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 that's the tone that they were going for. I don't know if it's actually the tone it's, that they were going for or not. But
1: yeah, I, I feel like that is a completely valid interpretation like what, yeah, you know, they were old, married
0: couple all the way yeah yeah, yeah.
1: full full, full <laughs> spoiler like you know when when one dies at the end like the reaction of the other like that's what you would expect yeah uh, um yeah he he you know uh master swordsman plus you know some of the comic some of the some of the humor came from him um and you know again based on that mysterious relationship and he's really he's the only kind of real touchstone that you have in this film to the force uh which i also liked so so, you know you don't know was he a jedi and he's just kind of playing a monk is he just someone who and and i don't i don't read i don't i don't know any of the you know the the additional material so these questions are probably answered somewhere um but for me, I'm 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 going. No pun intended. I'm going in blind um, <laughs> with, with all the, um, <laughs> with with all of the uh, behind the scenes stuff. So uh, I liked that he was legitimately mysterious, um, and it felt appropriate. A because of you know his Jedi ness or his Force use or his you know adherence to the religion of the force, I should
3: say. Yeah, I think what I, what I got from that character is that he's he's force sensitive, but there's no Jedi to train him. So, he's not a Jedi mm-hmm. because there's there's nobody to teach him how to so he's using the force obviously because he can hit people even though he can't see them, you know, but he he can't he can't hone it and be, actually become a Jedi because there's nobody there's nobody to be his master to teach him.
1: Yeah, so but, yeah, he, he was my favorite. Uh, shall I pass the hot potato to uh Yeah, we'll go to Kennedy. Kennedy?
0: Hard, hard to say. You know, I tend to gravitate towards the uh, the hero of the story, and I thought they did a great job with Jenner. So I thought uh, this actress, I've only ever seen her before in the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man films. She has a small role. Yeah. Um, but she was she was tremendously good. I thought she was uh, she played the character exactly as she should have been played, and reportedly, the reshoots were a lot of the earlier stuff where we first meet her as an adult where she's being rescued from the, the prison because in the original version of the film, she apparently just popped up fully formed in captivity with the, the rebels and was sent off on the mission. So this gave us a little more backstory that helped us understand sort of the painful what fifteen years she must have had after her parents were killed. I thought she did a really good job at that. But overall, the K2SO stole the movie from me Um, (laughs) every time that – and knowing who was behind the the suit. And, you know, this was a a motion capture performance, so it wasn't just a voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Knowing that Alan Tudyk was involved just uh, had me howling every time he spoke, every time he did anything. And when he bit the dust, it was like watching a real person die on screen. I think that's pretty tremendous for a motion capture performance. So all in all, all, yeah, the robot robot took the show for me.
3: I think that um – of course, Alan Tudyk—he's probably done more voice acting in films and TV shows and video games than he's uh than he's actually been mm-hmm. physically on the screen. But I think that I Robot is a good example. Yeah, yeah this um uh, yeah. this is another way that Disney has taken what George Lucas tried to do and made it better because Lucas in the 90s when he made the prequels he made a completely CGI character that got many of the comic relief one liners and. And it turned it yeah. turned him into a bumbling fool that everybody hated. Of course, you know, I'm talking about uh, Obi-Wan. No, I'm talking, <laughs> I'm talking about Jar Jar. <laughs> but um, uh, in this film, the CGI character with the one-liners is, you know, kicking butt. And everybody loves him, you know. And he gets to be one of the heroes in the end, you know. So... I guess it just well, took putting...
0: One the... of the problems, though, I mean, Lucas veered so heavily into racial parody, especially with the Phantom Menace. Oh, yeah. And and so that takes you out of Jar Jar Binks. It doesn't matter how silly or funny he is, or even the Gungans as a whole. All you're thinking is, oh, they're really going there? They're They're doing that? Whereas with this one, they just let him be himself in, in a droid body. And so all of that's erased. You've just got a fresh character you can enjoy who's really sarcastic in a beautiful way. And I love that.
3: Rick, who is your favorite character? Well, uh, Kennedy stole mine.
2: (laughs) Um, Same old story. (laughs) He always gets the best lines. Uh, (laughs) um, I, I really wanted to love Jin Erso the way that I loved Princess Leia, but it just, it just never, she, I mean, she was a great character and Felicity Jones is staggeringly gorgeous. Uh, you know, I, I give the, I give the, the costume designers credit for, they did not try to, you know, over sexualize anyone in the film. Uh, but I think that Felicity is just so unbelievably gorgeous that you just can't help but notice it. Um, but, I, I loved K two S O as well, uh, but I you know, and again this may be because I read the book, but I really like, uh, Krennic. Yeah, I like the fact that he was not this hyper charismatic, you know, oozing bad guy. He was he was just this bumbling functionary who kept failing upwards
3: <laughs> <And> <laughs> middle management yeah <laughs>
2: exactly and I just I love the fact that they they took the chance to go ah screw it let's see what happens when we get someone who's not totally you know so competent that you can't beat that you know the, the, the only way they can be beaten is some contrived trip up that you know the, that we have to pull out of you know a, a deus ex machina at the end or something um he He was just this functionary with delusions of grandeur who ends up locking horns with Tarkin uh and gets himself killed for it and I just i I really enjoyed his performance
0: mm-hmm. well, it really harkens back to the idea of the Empire as the Nazis because the you know any large political or government organization is full of guys like that, and mm-hmm. they have a lot of influence they get a lot done even if they're not trying to. So it was like you said, a really refreshing change to see the bad guy be somebody who's just trying to get his job done and go home for the day. And all of this stuff keeps happening.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the things I liked about the force awakens, uh, that I, I never hear anyone talking about it is the, the, the first order are a bunch of punks <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's all that was left from the empire. Right. And I got, I got a kick out of that. The fact that they were, you know, that, that, they couldn't think of anything better than trying to retread what had already happened. Uh and you know, their their Darth Vader is this
3: whining kid. <laughs> and I liked I liked uh I liked Jen, but I think that some of the editing kind of failed her character a little bit because I'm sure there was some stuff at the beginning that they cut out. Because the first time that we see her as an adult, she's sitting in a prison paddy wagon or whatever. And uh we, we we're never told why she's there, you know. We we're never given any of that backstory, and I I think that some of that may have lent to her character a little bit. And I think that was a piece of the puzzle that was kind of missing. But the only other thing that I remember seeing her in is uh she was in Inferno back last summer with Tom Hanks the as based on one of the uh Da Vinci oh, the, the Da Vinci Code sequel yeah. yeah yeah so she was in that and she was good in that but she w- but it's kind of like saying I'm 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 really good in a bad movie you know <laughs> because that movie was that movie wasn't very good if they stuck to the book this is another rant if they stuck to the book it would have been good but they <laughs> changed it so um I was surprised at how small of a role Forrest Whitaker had in this movie because looking at the at the trailer, I thought he was going to be like one of the main characters, and he only had like like two scenes. He did a good job. I mean, it's Forrest Whitaker, <laughs> but um, I like this character. You know, he was a soldier in the Clone Wars, and if if you're going to play the trivia game, I'm about to give you one of the answers. But that, the character that he plays, Saul Guerrero, was actually a character in the Clone Wars. Uh, it came from that cartoon, so that's one of the first times that you see somebody. From an animated, from one of the animated properties being pulled into the live action and being played by somebody, so I thought that was pretty cool too. Uh, the other, yeah. the other thing that we have to talk about is, or one of the other things that we have to talk about is uh, the characters that they brought back from previous films, uh, which you know they do this a lot with franchises, but rarely does it work. You know, this movie takes place literally days or maybe a week before A New Hope, so it makes a lot more sense for some of these characters to be here. Of course, we got to see three PO and R2 D2 cameo, uh, just a, just one little quick shot. And, uh, it wouldn't be a star Wars film if they didn't show up at one, at one point or another, but does anybody, did anybody, re- uh, see Cornelius of and Panda Baba? You remember those guys? Oh yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Well, you kind of yep. it, it was kind of hard to miss
3: them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I mean, they were there, and I and I said, "Hey, it's those guys." And then I thought, "What in the crap are they doing there? They're supposed to be on Tatooine, <laughs> you know? They're supposed to be there I, in a couple." of I days. thought
2: it was cute. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't beyond, uh, you know, it, it wasn't so so obscure that that it didn't make in that it couldn't have happened. Yeah,
3: yeah. If uh, if, you, if they you went and got on a ship right
1: then, they're like, if you presume that they're like that they're pirates or smugglers or whatever, then yeah, they can be. You know, they could be in a different system a couple of days later. Well, they I don't, I
3: with that. The, by the events of that scene, they would have to. When we saw them, they would have to have been on the way to their ship to get to get out. Why not in time? You know, so.
0: Well, we we don't know how long the droids were on Tatooine in A New Hope before they um, before the Jawas got them. First of all, and how long it took them to get to the Skywalker Ranch.
3: Well, I'm, so I'm just saying that the, could have been months. The, right? the Death Star attacked the city in that same scene. So for them to be able to get out and to be on Tatooine in the next oh, movie, good they yeah. would have had to be on the way to actually getting on their ship and leaving, you know, cause it no, was well, then
1: I'm sure that happened.
3: Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so listeners, if you, if you don't know who those two characters are in the, in the scene on, in A new hope, when they're in the, um, cantina, and the guy comes up and is picking on Luke or whatever, say like, he he doesn't like you and I don't like you either and all that. And then Obi Wan cuts the guy's arm off. That's these two guys and they were they were in this scene. So um, one of the biggest returns was uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Darth Vader. But we'll talk we'll talk about Tarkin for a minute. Uh, when I saw him at first, I had to squint and I had to kind of look because at first I couldn't tell that it wasn't an actor you know i I thought wow they found somebody that looks a lot like peter cushing (laughs) you know but (laughs) they actually filmed scenes with someone that kind of looks like peter cushing but not really (laughs) and then they digitally mapped cushing's face over his and i mean it, it was impressive but it didn't it didn't look exactly right you know it didn't look quite human it kind of looked a little video gamey to me but and not as much the first time as it did because the second time i was looking at it a little closer and there's a reason why all the scenes that tarkin is in he's in the shadows you know because they don't want to put a too much emphasis on the fact that his his mouth isn't quite moving the way it should be and and things like that but what did you guys think about um rick i'll start with you what did you think about uh, a cushion coming back from the dead for this movie (laughs)
2: Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it. I know a lot of people are, are seeing this as a slippery slope and, and, you know, I couldn't care less. Um, as, as Carrie Fisher very famously has said, everybody in star Wars signed away the, the rights to their, to their images. And, uh, she said every time she looked in a mirror, she had to send George Lucas a dollar. Yeah. Uh, so, but that being said, they did reach out to the, uh, Peter Cushing's estate and uh, we're given their blessing to do this. Um, I admire the Moxie for how much they used the digital Tarkin. Uh, I don't think it worked all the time. Um, as you said, it looks great. And uh, the one, it doesn't look, it. 3D does not help this effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um. And I don't know what it is. And I've heard if folks, if you've listened to any of my other shows talking about this, I apologize. This is going to be kind of a verbatim, but this is just my opinion on this thing. I don't know what it is. I'm no CG artist. I know very little about the the mechanics of it, but I don't know why they cannot get human mouths to move right when they're talking because the the digital Tarkin looks great until he starts talking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just it just the uncanny valley just comes crashing in. Um, but that being said, uh, it's a beautiful effect. Um, I've seen a couple of bits with the with the guys that did it, and a lot of people are like, "Oh, they're going to start resurrecting dead stars all over the place." No, they're not, because this was incredibly time consuming and extremely expensive to do uh, to get it to look as good as it did. Right. And in the, and and I think we all agree. That as good as it looks, it still falls short of. Wow, that's I thought Cushing was dead. You you, (laughs) you don't watch that and go, oh my god, the you know that's really Cushing. You go there and go, wow, that's a really good
3: Cushing puppet they've got. Right? Could they have done the? Would it have been as effective if they just got a different guy to play the character?
2: I would have bought that. I'd have been fine with that. That's what I was expecting actually, because they made a big deal about they said Tarkin's going to be in the movie, so I just figured they'd find someone who looked like. Peter Cushing, and that would be the end of it. I wasn't expecting a CGI Cushing. Um, I think they could have gone either way. So I, you know, I don't want to try to second guess the decision. Uh, they they made the choice. They went for it. They had the money. Why not, John? What do you think about all yeah.
1: this? Uh, yeah, I think uh, retrospectively, retroactively, I think an actor would have been better. Um, I wouldn't. Uh, I agree. With- with Rick, I, you know, I wouldn't want to make the call beforehand because it, I think it could have worked, but it's always so tricky,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Even even if the character looks right, um, and I didn't even have so much of a problem with the mouth movement. It was like you said, it, it's video game movement. It's 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 stiff. It's not organic, right? And you know. And literally, like every scene, every few seconds that he was in it, I, I kind of kept resetting and kept giving them another chance. Okay, the next time he moves, you can you can still get it right. Like if they would, if they, I I would be willing to forgive, like the minute before, if the next minute works. But it 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 didn't. It still it just didn't. And and you know, I, I guess you get the swing for the fences award. Yeah, uh, but. But you, it, it's really, it's, you know, it was not necessary. You know, they could have had an actor do it. They could have kept him in the shadows. Like, you, like you felt like they kept him in the shadows? I didn't feel like he was in the shadows at all. Really? I, they, they did, you know, they did two-person scenes with dialogue. I'm like, you didn't have, there's no reason for you to film it that way. Like, it, it would have been fine to have the camera on the other person while he's speaking. And then, you know... I, yeah I felt like there were lots of solutions and they went ambitious and you know more power to you but i I can't say it was it was really that successful like I just kept thinking the scene in a new hope or not even the scene that moment in a new hope is you're far too trusted
3: yeah <laughs>
1: no that if 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 they had like focused on if that had been like their source material because yes he's imposing but when he moves he moves quickly it's almost you know snake like or like a scorpion or something like he he doesn't have to get in your face but he's also not stiff yeah you know and i think they just they just they they animated him as stiff all the time and that sucked the life out of you know
0: what could have been there kennedy I agree with Rick and, and John on everything. Um, they, Again, great. They tried. Um, seeing it now, I think I would rather have seen them either not bother and go with a different actor. Even the actor who, who played the role, uh, he looks a lot like Peter Cushing. Or just dial it back a bit because, you know, like John said, there are a couple of moments where you expect them to keep him in the shadows. And all of a sudden he's doing these two-handers and it didn't work. That being said, my son had no idea that it wasn't a real guy.
3: Yeah, my daughter didn't either. Who
0: Peter Cushing is. So that's who it's meant for. It's not meant for us. We're going to be picking this stuff apart. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, If they can do that now, imagine what they're doing in two or three years. Uh, Animating mouths is... It used to be hair was the big challenge for digital animators. Mouths are the last frontier because the mouth is a complicated set of jaw muscles. The, the lips are a sphincter themselves. So you've got all these different systems working in tandem that create speech that we're used to looking at. But to replicate it, you're going into code that is just months and months of work for each sound, each, at each letter. So I think they're still quite a ways away. And I'd rather they just stepped back a bit, do it like they did with, with Princess Leia, Give us a quick look and move on.
1: Yeah, I feel like um you know, there I can't really think of very successful examples of when they've done this aside from I would say like the Marvel movies. You know, young young Robert Downey right, Jr. Right. I felt worked. And part of the reason it worked is because in that context he was a computer simulation. So it it was fine.
0: It's supposed to look fake, made, yeah.
1: Yeah, that he was maybe a little shinier than a person would be.
0: Um, And we saw it in the X-Men, X3 did it. But this conversation has been going on since that first Final Fantasy movie that we're just going to replace actors. But Rick hit the nail on the head. Why would you? Why would you digitize a movie when you can use real actors? Right. It's cheaper. It's (laughs) cheaper, yeah. (laughs) But when everybody else in the movie is a real actor and then this guy walks in, it's really jarring. And I'd rather they'd gone a different route. That's really my only huge nitpick, though.
3: They have done this this kind of thing before, when actors die before the end of a before they finish filming a, a movie, like uh, when Paul Walker died before they finished Fast and Furious Seven. Gl- uh, Philip Seymour, Gladiator. yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman died before they finished uh, Mockingjay Part Two. So the last scene that he was in in that film, he was uh, digitally created. But but this this is an entire movie that was made 22 years after the actor died. And I'm not saying I come down on either side of the argument because I'm in the same boat where it really doesn't matter. But, and I understand that, you know, they own the likeness of all of these actors and stuff, but then you, you've got an actor that died and he can't, He can't give his consent to a performance that he's doing for a film. It's not quite the same thing as they're making a toy that looks like him or they're making Han Solo dance in this video game or something like that. You know, this is a performance of an actor, but he didn't get to choose the script. You know what I'm saying? So,
2: yeah, but it's but Lucasfilm and by extension, Disney own the character of Grand Moff Tarkin. Yeah, Uh. So I I I see what you're saying. Uh, I just I don't necessarily agree with it. And I I, you know, so many people have been saying this, and I know I'm kind of on the on the minority side of this. But uh, you know, it's not like they they said they had you know Peter Cushing stepping up and saying you know My name is Peter Cushing, and I want you to buy this beer." <laughs> yeah. um, you know that I would have a you know a back you know a few years back when they had Fred Astaire dancing with a vacuum cleaner and all that stuff. And this, this debate came up that I can kind of see as a problem because that's not, you know, that's a totally new thing. Uh, you know, taking somebody's likeness, uh, or, or taking a performance from a movie and superimposing it into a commercial for something that had nothing to do with the movie yeah. that I could see being a problem, but you know, within the franchise, governor Tarkin Already existed. Peter Cushing already established the character, so uh, and and presumably, like everybody else, signed a contract that said you may use my likeness in perpetuity. Um, so I don't see any legal issues with it. It's cool that they they went to the estate and said we'd like to do this. Is that all right? Um, but you know, if they want to digitize Carrie Fisher, or, or I'm sorry, excuse me, if they want to digitize General Organa in any of the future films. I don't see a problem with that aside from an aesthetic one. Does it look good yeah. but from a, from a, uh, is it cool to do it? They own that character. Carrie Fisher was a person. Princess Leia was not. <laughs> She's right. an idea yeah. owned wholly by Lucasfilm.
1: Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. I don't have a problem that they did it. Um, I just, you know, Lucasfilm, uh, Disney, uh, I'm sure you're listening <laughs> to find out what John Irons <laughs> thinks about your uh, umpteen billion dollar empire. But let me let me set you straight. Uh, focus on the animation more than the image. If he looked a little less than human, but he moved more like a human, I would have been ten times happier. You know that's how that's how you know. You know, adventure Time works. That's how. how like, it, it, it's okay if it looks a little less real if it moves right, and I think that's what went wrong with Tarkin. Yeah, because he looked. He... Because yeah, because Leia. I mean, she was in it far more briefly. Oh, yeah, but I didn't have as much of a problem because she, she was basically standing still. You know, so the animation wasn't really a problem. She still looked, you know, you know, digitally created. Yeah. But I, and, and, you know, I, I, I don't know how much nerd, <laughs> how, how much of my observations is, is percent nerd versus percent, you know, graphic artist. So maybe I am pickier than other people. And even in my pickiness, I might notice it, but that might not necessarily bother me. It bothered me with Tarkin, but it didn't necessarily bother me with Leia.
0: Does that make sense? And Leia looked different, though, too. I mean, you could tell that less work was put into that 30-second effect than into the fully motion moving around Tarkin because she she looked different, and my kid picked up on that right away. He knew that that was not really Carrie Fisher, whereas Tarkin, like I said, he assumed that was a real person the whole
3: time. Yeah, it wasn't even 30 seconds. It was like seven seconds. (laughs) I think that that was designed because to – they knew well it's just gonna be there for a second and people are gonna be like, Oh look, it's Carrie Fisher But then you go back and you watch it a second or a third time and then you start well, it doesn't really look right, you know, and her and her lips are moving weird. But and Tarkin had this thing where his face his face looked like Peter Cushing, but like John, like you were saying about the way he moved, he moved like he does on Rebels. <laughs> you know. It was it was real <laughs> stiff and just kinda of, yeah, you know right. like a cartoon character.
0: Asking, yeah. well, yet, yet that was a real person doing the motions and I'm guessing he had to stay stiff for the the over jumping
1: but a lot of the motion wasn't like I mean his arms and his legs moved fine but it's it's the subtleties of the face yeah you know he he, did, he never really raised his eyebrows
3: when he looked surprise but, he always kind of squinted like these the, are things so that never, we
0: take for granted we we don't notice them when they happen but when we notice them when they don't happen
3: yeah exactly and on that same note but the, the the voice acting was awesome whoever was doing yeah. Peter Cushing's voice you know it sounded that's
0: actually the, the actor who played the, the body double part he's, he's doubled for Cushing before in something else and I forget what it is but he's like a professional Peter Cushing impersonator, basically.
3: <laughs> Put that, that on your resume. True. Yeah, I'm a Peter Cushing impersonator. Yeah, because like now, as, as long as
1: he's great at birthday birthday parties. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as long as we're on this, I was going to wait until we got to the end, but since we're talking about the the, the digital Carrie Fisher, uh, when I saw the movie the first time, I saw it opening day just by accident. Uh, you know, I don't go out of my way to see movies when they open anymore because. I have kids, and so I get to movies, you know, when I can. And it just sort of worked out that my wife and I could slip away uh, work schedule-wise and see it the Friday it opened. So Carrie Fisher was alive and well when I saw it the first time. So when Princess Leia showed up at the end of the movie, I teared up a bit, uh, you know, from a, you know, just sort of nerd joy. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it, it wasn't. That, you know, it, that's all it was. It was like, oh, look at that. That's so cool. Um, when I saw it last week, I completely unexpected because I knew the moment was coming. I, you know, it was the second time I'd seen the movie when they came around, when the shot came around to the other side. And, and I'm I'm actually choking up a little bit right now. Uh, and, and she said, hope, uh, you know, the, the, whatever, hope commander or whatever it was. I actually sobbed in the movie theater. It just it just came out of me completely unexpected unbidden I literally sobbed when I saw her face.
3: And that was her that was her voice. I mean they had a different uh, person standing in for her to do the the face mapping but they took her line from Star Wars which she says, you know, you're you're your on only hope. They took the word hope. Yeah, and put it that that's that's her saying that line, yeah. So that's actually her. Mm. But but yeah, it is uh it is. No knowing that she's gone now that 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 scene does resonate a little bit a little bit more than it did the first time that that we saw it. So um Darth Vader was in this movie. Oh was he ever? And, (laughs) (laughs) And I loved every second that he was on the screen. Um the only thing that I didn't like, which I know I'm bringing all this stuff up and now I'm talking about the stuff that I didn't like about it. But the only thing that I didn't like about Vader was that they feel like they can't recast James Earl Jones to do the voice, which I know there's other people out there that can do that voice, but his voice doesn't sound the same as it did 40 years ago. You know, you you could hear that he's, he's older and it's almost like, vader's tongue was a little bit too big for his mouth or something you know i I could hear it in his voice and and it's weird because he does vader's voice on rebels and he doesn't sound that way it sounds normal i don't know if they do a lot of uh digital messing around with it or whatever to make it sound right but that they didn't do here but um but it's just it's different but but that scene at the end where he's chopping down those rebel soldiers Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. I felt like I did when when I saw <laughs> Vader for the first time when I was a little kid and I was actually scared of Darth Vader. You know, I, I felt that again. I was like, yeah, yeah, you could be you could be scared of this guy.
0: You know, but that's funny that you say that because he does sound older. Jones is obviously older, but that's a much younger stuntman doing that. stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not David Prowse. And you can tell he's moving through that scene and almost dancing a little bit with it. Because if you think back to the end of Empire the fights are pretty one-sided on Luke's part. He's flying around and Darth Vader just kind of lumbers forward and waves the lightsaber in the air. So we got to see him, you know, full on martial arts, Jedi, Darth Vader. Finally, it was great. Well, to that see
3: him. that original costume that he was wearing was kind of cumbersome. He couldn't, it was, it was hard to do those fight scenes and move around like an actual person would with that stuff on. But then when you watch, uh, and like I said, rebels is Canon and the way Vader fights on rebels, is more closely more close to what we saw in this, you know, he, he's actually, he's actually fighting, you know, he's a Jedi again, you know, he's throwing guys around and slicing them and everything else. And, and I thought it was good. And well, well, go ahead. Well,
2: part of part of the problem with, uh, in a new hope and empire, um, is that Lucas originally told the actors, cause I've, I've heard, uh, uh, Dave Prouse talking about this, uh, and I think maybe, maybe Alan Guinness as well. his initial idea with the with the lightsabers was that they were incredibly heavy. and, and that uh, nobody could wield one one-handed. In fact, when Vader does that in Empire, it was supposed to be part of showing how absolutely you know badass Vader was that he could use a lightsaber with one hand. So the initial plan, the 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 way they were directed to fight was that, they had to use two hands and they were like, it was
1: like, um, Like wielding have you a ever mace? seen? Hmm? Like wielding a mace almost?
2: Well, yeah. Have, have you have all ever seen the movie Robin and Marion?
1: No,
3: I haven't. Probably.
1: Probably. Um, it's, it's, it's a,
2: as much as I despise Sean Connery because he's, he's scum, but um, it's a, it's a brilliant movie. It's, it, it's Robin Hood in his, like, in his late forties or fifties. And there's this final battle between Robin Hood, Sean Connery, and the Sheriff of Nottingham, Basil Rathbone. Um, I think it's Rathbone. Maybe it's. Mm-hmm. Uh... Anyway, they they have this final, uh, you know, th- 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 and you know they're in their their late middle age, and they're going to have this one last fight. And everyone's trying to talk them out of it on both sides, and they go at it with great swords. So they're both fighting with these six foot long swords. And it starts off, you know, clang, 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 ha, ho, ha, ha. And then and it quickly devolves into swing the sword once, hyperventilate for five minutes, swing the sword <laughs> once, fall on the ground and breathe, you know, it, it's just hilarious. And that's kind of the, the, the look that Lucas was looking for with the lightsabers. He didn't want them to be whippy little kind of fencing foil kind of stuff. But then for some reason, but when he got to the prequels, he went, eh, screw that. <laughs> we yeah. just going to go and, and go nuts with them. And well, that
1: so, I, been, so that would have been fine if, if anyone had ever mentioned that in the movies. But
0: yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah.
1: I would be, that, but you know, nobody told me
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> until just now.
3: Yeah. And they also brought back, uh, the, well, br- brought into Canon, the, uh, vader's castle on mustafar which i thought looked pretty yeah pretty
0: awesome fantastically done yeah, yeah. <laughs> they,
3: they've they've talked about that in you know extended universe stuff in books and stuff but i don't think they've ever actually i know they never showed it in the original trilogy and it, it all happened in episode three so we would never seen it in a movie before and it, it, it was it was pretty cool looking so like i said slowly but surely they're bringing bits and pieces of the eu back into canon and just putting it where they think it'll work but um Another character that was brought back was the Death Star. <laughs> um, I think the shots, the shots of this thing from the planet from the surface, I thought they, it looked incredible the way, the way that they did this. And uh, one thing that I loved is that when the laser was fired at the planet, which I know in this movie they didn't actually destroy the planet. They were just destroying that city. But it wasn't like it was in a new hope, you know, in a new hope. They fire the laser, planet explodes. You know, with this they fire it, and it's a lot slower. All this stuff is going up into the atmosphere, and and you can see it coming and everything. And I, I thought that that was a a really good touch because you know even if they were destroying the entire planet, a planet doesn't blow up like a watermelon does. <laughs> you know, it would, <laughs> it would it would it would be a little bit longer of a of of an explosion or an implosion. Than uh than what we saw happen to Alderaan. I know we're kind of we see the Death Star a lot. One one thing that I did notice was that according to uh the movie, it took them what twenty years to build this Death Star, but the the next one they get almost built in just a couple of years. <laughs> you know, I guess they 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 know where the parts go a little well, a they little a, bit better.
1: They already they already beta tested it,
3: so they they just. Uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that
2: that's another thing that that catalyst really works uh, works on is showing how uh, how the Death Star was being built, how it was being funded, and and I know that that sounds incredibly boring, but it isn't. It's not like accounting, um, but it also shows how the the old the the Republic, uh, and then about halfway through the book, it becomes the Empire uh, is co opting planets. And absolutely, you know, ripping their resources out to and and sending them to to build this battle station. Um, Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they ever deal with the second Death Star. Um, It it, they almost had to have been being built at the same time. Yeah. Uh, But there's no mention of that in anything I've seen anyway, so I don't know.
0: Kennedy? Well, we don't really know uh, how much time passed between the original three movies. So it's very possible that years had gone by. Um, They do allude at the beginning of Empire to other events that we never got to see. So, eh, who knows? I mean, it's a a made-up space station that shoots lasers at planets. (laughs) (laughs) But but yeah, it was great to see it again. I thought they did it really well. And and just knowing that there's more to it than just, you know, it always was kind of a, um, a... I don't want to say deus ex machina, but it, it was just this thing that did, did one task and you had to ruin it at the end. And I'm not one of those people who says, you know, it was always so obvious that uh, you could just go in and do it. The, the solution or the, the reason that they were able to pull it off at the end of A New Hope is explained so nicely and so easily here. Yeah. Um. It, it sort of erases 40 years of wondering how Luke could get that one lucky shot. Right. I love that concept that it was always sabotaged from the beginning. Right. So well done. So it it was good to see it back. Uh, I would rather not see it again. I don't want to see, you know, episode nine, they're building another death star that I think would erase the, the impact of what we saw in this film.
3: Because the, the, the force awakens, that was basically the death star. It was just a, Big, oh, yeah. a big yeah. death star so it's almost like that's the only thing the empire knows how to do is just blow things up <laughs> well
0: <laughs> you know? force awakens was intentionally patterned exactly on yeah a new hope and I'm, I'm hoping the next film doesn't do empire with new characters but you know that being said how many more times can we go back to this well yeah but we have to stop this giant machine that can that can cause genocide on a galactic level let's try to find something new
1: yeah i think zero more times i think i think i think yeah i think that's i think that's enough
2: yeah it's funny when what you're saying kennedy it just when the movie was over and the credits started running i turned to my wife and i said that's how you retcon something
3: yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. so i wanted to take just a minute and talk about the way that uh rebels is being integrated into the main universe because there were several references in this uh In this movie, to Rebels, Rebels takes place roughly five years prior to this movie. So, without knowing how that series is going to end, we do know three things: we know that Chopper survives because he's in the movie. We see him on the base at Yavin Four, you know, and you can look online and you can see a screenshot because it's real fast; you only see him for a second. Yeah,
2: I I never, I, I didn't
3: spot him, but I've, I've seen the the screen caps, and the next time I see it, I'll look for (laughs) it. The ghost is still intact because we see it. As part of the space battle, um, well, okay, uh, I'll, or at least a just, ship that just, looks like. Go- just, like go- <laughs> I was gonna, yeah. yeah,
2: just playing devil's advocate. A ship of that, <laughs> of that class, yeah.
3: is in the battle at at uh, uh, Scarif, and we know that we know that Hera is alive because on Yavin Four, in the scene right after, uh, okay, so the scene where Jen is uh, telling Mon Mothma uh, that they need to go get the plans to the death star this after she saw the hologram and everything that next scene, the characters are walking through. Someone comes over the intercom and says, uh, general Sindola come to blah, 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 or something like that. You know, so that's, that's Hera, you know, obviously she's been promoted to general, but we know that she's, she's alive. So I don't know if, I don't know if she's piloting the ghost. I don't know if, uh, if they're going to show her in a future installment or something. But I thought that was a, a cute little Easter egg to put in there that, uh, general Sendula is mentioned in the background. And there is a rumor and I put emphasis on the word rumor quotation marks. Um, we know that Benicio del Toro is supposed to be in episode eight. So the rumor is that he's going to play an old, an older version of Ezra in episode eight, which would be great. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Uh,
2: That'll be, we'll, we'll see.
3: Yeah, it would be cool to find oh. out what happened to him and everything.
2: That Well, that's been my whole problem. Have, have either of you guys watched, uh, Kennedy or John, have y'all watched Rebels at all?
0: I'm not I sure. have no idea what you nerds are talking oh, about. Oh, wow, I didn't know you. I've never seen it. I wasn't even aware of it until The Force Awakens came out. I'm, I'm and I never up, had a chance to see it.
3: I'm looking you, you should watch Goku it, it's Man. good. It, it's <laughs> that's what it's I've really about. good. I, I, yeah, I... I yeah. I just finished watching season two today, so I'm going to be starting season three pretty soon. But, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it. it's just, it's extra Star Wars. It's just, it, it, it kind of, it whets the appetite a little bit, you know, so. Uh, but my problem with Rebels
2: is very similar to, and it, and it wasn't a problem with Rogue One, because I, I thought it was pretty clear. I've heard, again, I've heard people like, how did, they killed everybody. I'm like, you didn't expect that, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's my problem with Rebels, is I'm like, okay, now now we have a little bit of, of you know, at least, if General Sundula was Hera, assuming she's the only person with that name, um, you know, at least she's alive prior to the Battle of Yavin 4. Um, but, like, a lot of the characters in Rebels... It would be very, you know, I'll I'll grant that maybe Ezra could go to ground, but like Kanan cannot survive the series because if he was alive at the time of A New Hope, there's no way he wouldn't be involved. Yeah,
3: I can see uh, that. Yes.
2: Yeah. So it's like I'm watching this going now. They did they did set up that the, the I forget what it's uh, the big guy's name. It's I. Uh,
3: no, if you hadn't asked me, uh, I know it. <laughs> I think isn't it Jeb or, or Zeb? Something something like that
2: like that it's Zeb or something like yeah. that anyway when they found that his his planet but it was like hidden away in that nebula or whatever so okay there's their out they could send everybody there um, but pretty much uh well I guess the Mandalorian girl could could be around too I don't know it just seems to me like we're watching dead men walking yeah <laughs> <'Cause>, yeah <laughs> and that's the problem with prequels in general is uh, you know, you, you if these characters don't appear later on in what you've seen, there's got to be they either they either don't survive what you're watching, or there's got to be hopefully a good reason why you don't see them later. Um, I, I was I was so impressed with Rogue One that they had the stones to just kill everybody.
1: Yeah, which is all right. Which is what makes sense. I I loved that, that you know again that last third of the movie is some of the best filmmaking like I've ever seen in my life. It was fantastic. And I loved that every no, typically, you know, you get to the the big climactic battle, and there's like maybe okay, we guys, we gotta take the hill. Once we take the hill, you know, we'll capture the flag and we'll win the day. And so there's like one obstacle, there's one big obstacle and maybe like a side obstacle to keep you you know from getting off the hill. Every step, every every group had their own thing. Every you know, it was every scene was a hail mary. Like, oh shit, that didn't work. Okay, let's try this. Oh shit, that didn't work. Let's try this. (laughs) And it was all just based. It was it was just sheer force of will that got the plans out. It was, and at a certain point, like okay, like everybody, okay, I'm going to die, but at least I can move the ball this far okay i'm going to die but at least i can do this one last thing you know it was it was great it was it was absolutely perfectly done
2: now i did find watching it the second time that and i'd heard some criticisms uh because when i watched it the first time i avoided any and all press about it other than trailers uh so watching it the second time, some of the criticisms that I'd read were, were sort of resonating. It did very much feel like a video game in that, you know, it was like fight a bunch of these NPCs, get to this point, you know, mini boss or mini puzzle or whatever. Get to this point, <laughs> another another thing to, to overcome, et cetera, et cetera. And I do I do have to agree. The which was one of the stupid ever. Like your your main communications connection is this panel sitting out in the middle of the yard with this giant freaking switch on it <laughs> that might as well have a wily e. coyote button pointing you know arrow pointing into it saying push this button
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I think some of that probably comes from the we're, we're we're probably at a point now where a lot of the people that were writing this probably grew up on video games as their primary source of entertainment. So, <laughs> so that's probably and, and the
0: fans too, right? I yeah, have to true. appeal to the to kids today. Yeah. So.
3: so that's probably why some of that works out, but I, I did like that. This was star Wars. This was a war movie. There weren't any Jedi. It was the rebellion versus the empire. And, uh, it wasn't a story that really had to be told, but I'm, but I'm glad that it was because like we said, it, it did answer the huge question of why was it? So why did the, Empire put such a blatant flaw in their in their massive space station and everything. that you guys have any uh any final thoughts about Rogue One? Uh
1: I am you know, what? just a side note, side observation. I like that um again, <laughs> the main rebel spy guy uh with the French accent. Yeah. That he he just you know, you see him, you know, he shows up and you think, Okay, he's he's uh um uh he's like he's like okay, you think he's like he's like Poe Dameron, okay? He's he's a rebel, he's he... and then he kills his informant. He just you know, spoiler, he just he just slays his informant, you know, because it's more convenient to help him escape. And like, oh, okay, that's
3: that's different. <laughs> so that's who you are. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that it redefined your boundaries for the rebels. Like, okay, well, I guess they are kind of terrorists, I guess. Okay, fine, yes. <laughs> Technically. One well, man's yes.
2: terrorist is another man's freedom fighter, yeah. <laughs>
1: exactly. Yeah, you're only a terrorist until you win. Then you're a patriot. True. Yeah. Um, true. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I like that. And, and so later, when, you know, the rebel forces are, you know, kind of squabbling and basically take... One could say the smart way to make the smart decision, or one could say the cowardly decision. And like, yeah, I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that. I, I, it, it set it up that there is this, you know, they're not this unified rebellion. They're, um, you know, scattered people who are just kind of fighting for their own interests until until Rogue One. You know, and, and I think, you know. That was truly the birth of a new hope. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Cue the music. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> that, that's, that's a really good point, though, because by the time we get to a, The Force Awakens, we're discovering that you know the Rebellion became the the new Republic, but there's splinter factions within that, too. So all of these old wounds that go back to the uh, the previous iteration are still around. I mean, what do they call Leia's group? They're the Resistance. So there's a whole other tier of rebellion within the rebellion. It was probably always there. And we got a sense of that in this movie with the, the infighting and the bickering and the politics of the old senators trying to figure out exactly how they should proceed with that. It was fantastic.
1: Yeah. They, 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 I'm sorry. They, um, they ousted, you know, Forrest Whitaker for being, you know, too militant. Like there was no, they, they hadn't worked it out yet how they were going to be as a force. And I, and I think this was, you know, um, a big part of what this movie did was was kind of um, catalyze them, I guess. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I just loved I loved seeing all the old hardware again. Oh yeah, uh, you know the 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 Force Awakens was fun, but it was you know it, and and you know Tie Fighters were great, but they were just a little different. The X Wings were great, but they were a little different. I thought it was awesome seeing the stuff that we grew up with on the screen again doing new stuff. I loved how they took unused footage from the final battle in yeah. New Hope and used it in this. Uh, that was awesome, seeing Red Leader and Gold Leader again. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, and
3: I didn't even realize what I was seeing the first time I saw it until I read stuff about it later because I tried to stay offline. Oh, really?
2: I was, I was like slapping my wife's leg, like, going, look at that.
3: Yeah, because I tried to stay offline before I saw it because I didn't want to be spoiled. And then after I went and read some articles, and I realized, oh, they're 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 using some uh, some footage that wasn't used because obviously they can't use they can't reuse footage from the original three movies because those movies are all owned by Fox. Those are Fox movies, but this unused footage is owned by Lucasfilm, so it's theirs now. So they can they can yeah. take all that unused stuff and they can and they can repurpose it. And that was pretty cool.
2: Oh wow, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And and I've got to say the the ha, driving that star destroyer into the shield generator that was just uh,
1: oh my god <laughs> that was so cool that's what I'm saying yeah everybody had, was everybody was doing a hail mary everybody <laughs> yeah. like at a certain point they're like you know what. Let's
3: try this. Oh, like, yeah.
1: Sorry, we don't talk like that on the show, do we? So, you can
3: just, uh, PG, 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 PG. That's all right. One f bomb is PG thirteen. son. Yeah. But the
0: biggest takeaway from this, though, is I had a lot of trepidation. First of all, when I heard that Disney had, had bought Lucasfilm, because you know i love disney i love marvel i love everything they do but my fear was this saturation that they've already talked about a movie a year which for someone like me who had the three movies and then had to wait what 15 years for three more and then wait again i was worried that it would it would kill it but if they're going to do this with these so not just self-contained but really self-contained standalone films we might see that, you know, 10 years from now, we're not complaining about the quality going downhill. That there's always going to be fresh blood coming in, fresh sounds. I mean, everything in this film from the music to the the lack of the opening crawls, just the whole style of it was radically different from the main series. And you know, there's going to be duds. There's no way around it. Woody Harrelson is going to be in the hand Solo movie, so... Make of that what you will. <laughs> <laughs> Along the way, some of these are going to fall flat, but it just means that there is hope for this franchise going forward. That it's going to stay fresh in some capacity. I'll, I'll take it. You know, by the time my grandkids are old enough, I'll be explaining to them who everybody is again. And hey, away we go.
3: Well, if there is a Star Wars movie that Woody Harrelson would would work in, it would probably be the Han Solo movie. I think he I think he might actually work with that character. I mean, he's not playing Han Solo, but he would work playing off of that yeah, character. Playing some kind of crook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect. And, um, you know, yeah, we're getting one star Wars movie every year and we don't want it to oversaturate, but Marvel is releasing two movies every year and it hasn't oversaturated yet. You know, people are still going out in droves to see those movies. And it, and it's just like, You know, you have all these standalone movies in between, just like Marvel's got all these standalone hero movies in between their Avengers films. You know, now you've got different
0: tone, different flavor. It's so important. Yeah.
3: So I I think it'll work for a while. I don't know if if it'll be something that'll drag on for the next 20 years or so. But, you know, for the next for the next five, six years, a Star Wars movie every year, I can I I, I love it. You know, plus, you know what? I, I don't
2: mind the concept of, geez, there's too much Star Wars. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, when we haven't had any for for so long and now we've got we've got a movie every year, we've got a a pretty decent uh cartoon series on TV. We've got comics and we've got books that are coming out that are better than what we've had for the last uh, 20 years, you know, so and merchandise. You know, you you said that um you said that they changed the they changed the <laughs> ships and stuff a little bit. Well, they had to because they have to make new toys. <laughs> they, want their, yeah. they want their new toys to look a little bit different than their old toys, you know, so people will go out and buy them. But
1: okay, I, I had a uh, question. Okay, that's um, you know Star Wars related, but not really about Rogue One. Um, so my daughter just turned six, and she wanted a uh, princess party. So we did a Disney princess party. And we have a chalkboard wall, so every time there's like a themed party, I, I end up like doing chalk decorations. Uh, so I drew um, a bunch of uh, Disney princesses. And so I'm going online and finding pictures um, of, of Disney princesses. And that's when I discovered that there is a petition mm-hmm. for Princess Leia to be included in the quote unquote Disney, Disney princess, princess pantheon. Yeah. And. Uh, my wife was all about it. She was all. She was totally for it. I am hesitant, at best, if not against it. Her point was, um, you know, Leia is a strong, you know, female presence. She's not waiting to get rescued. You know, she's she's a fighter, and this that's kind of underrepresented in the Disney princess line. My point was, that's true. But she's already her own thing. She she wasn't made a Disney princess. She was you know co-opted by Disney. She she you know, she already she already existed separate, and she you know came into the Disney family, you know fully formed. And to put her under the umbrella of Disney princesses, you know if they if they if you. They're not going to show in the lineup. She's not going to be holding her blaster. Yeah, you know, she's go, she's going to look like, you know, a Leia version of a Disney princess. And so I told her I, I felt like it was limiting to her. Uh, so I, I I opened that to the floor. Where Where do you guys stand?
3: On I that? think that oh,
0: man. My My house is full of Disney princesses. Yeah. We've got stuffies and plushies and dolls and doll oh, no, houses and not, I'm posters.
1: Not anti, I'm not anti Disney princess.
0: No, no, I'm totally into this. I'm just, I, am just surprised that first of all I haven't heard of it, but also that my daughter, who is obsessed with this stuff, hasn't said made the connection that Princess Leia is a Disney princess. So I, I have no doubt that I'll be at the Disney store next Christmas, and there'll be little plushies <laughs> with little bun hairdos and holding a tiara and a wand. Right? It, it's it's going to happen, and it's fine. It's it's what it is.
3: I've seen pictures online, like comics online of all the Disney princesses kind of together and laughing and doing their thing. And princess Leia kind of over to the side just, and she's just saying, no, (laughs) no, just no. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have a problem with it, but the Disney princesses are part of a series of animated films that are geared towards small children, mostly. And star Wars is not an animated film. And I mean, it's made for it's made for kids and adults, but it's not generally targeted just at little children because there is you know violence and there there there's a lot of which there's there's violence and death in the Disney movies, but not to the point of watching people you know yeah. ra- ram a a, 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 a a lightsaber through their father's stomach, you know that kind of stuff. But uh, so I don't know if I would call her a Disney. Princess, especially since in the Force Awakens she's not a princess anyway. She she goes by General. You know she's not even it's being called. All, ab- all about selling the toys. Yeah, that's, all that's, the true. toys. that's true.
2: That's <laughs> true. Uh, you know, <laughs> all of the silly things to put our focus on.
1: Um, you I said you know I
0: spending an hour and a half talking about Star Wars. Well, true, true. <laughs> um, well, we're also four guys with daughters, right? So yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: If if this question had come up before. Let's say before Frozen and Brave and uh, Princess of the Frog or what is she? What is the? I forget the name yeah, of that print, movie.
1: Princess and the Frog. Yeah, Princess Princess and the
2: Frog. Um, you know this this new era of kind of self actualized. Don't you know? No Prince Charming BS. Uh, I would have been totally against it. Uh, now that. Disney is showing because like my daughter loves the Little Mermaid and I despise that story with every fiber of my being <laughs> um, but I think you know if they I, I well okay I don't think that Leia belongs with the Disney princesses for just the, the reasons that that, that Sean said she's not you know she's not an animated character except in, in Rebels but um, you know it, it, that's that's not where that character came from Um, But uh, Disney and Lucas have been in bed for a long time. They just finally got married when when Disney bought the, the, uh, you know, so it's probably inevitable. And if it helps to, you know, if it helps little girls feel better about themselves and feel more empowered uh, to have Leia in there as an absolute badass, sure,
3: why not? Yep. If, cool. if it'll get, if it'll get, um, if it'll get more little little girls interested in Star Wars, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go for it. Because my daughter, I mean, I, she liked the movie after we left, but I kind of had to drag her to the theater because I, I really, I didn't have anybody to go with, <laughs> and I didn't want to go by myself, you know. So, so I drug her with me, and uh, you know, it's funny because she, uh, I've been. I've been in Star. I've been into Star Wars her entire life. She's never been interested in sitting down and watching the films with me. And then she gets a boyfriend that likes Star Wars. Now she wants to watch all of it.
1: You know? so, uh,
3: but, not looking forward to those days. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's 15. She'll be 16 in June. So yeah, we're at that. We're at that age. She's going to the prom this year. So. Alright, so that's uh, that's pretty much everything that we've got time for on this episode. Don't forget to go to our YouTube channel, watch the debut video, and try to answer those trivia questions. Be the first one with all five correct answers. Email to me at mail at cosmicpotato.com. You'll win a Rogue One Funko Pop figure. It might be Jenner, so It might be Darth Vader. It might be a Death Trooper. I don't know. It'll be from Rogue One, though. And it'll be brand new in the box. And uh, I urge you to try because I want to give more stuff away, either here on the show or on YouTube or on the Facebook page. Uh, I plan on giving something away every couple of shows or so here. Uh, So, but if nobody's participating, then there's no sense in doing it. So, so get those answers in, and we'll and we'll keep doing this. Um, Rick, do you have anything you do you want to plug any of your shows?
2: Uh, uh sure um i've uh phew, sorry <laughs>
3: it drifted <laughs> off for a second um it's, it's past my bed i start mono- um, I start monologuing and everybody loses interest <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: yeah i've got a new show well i've got the the simply syndicated movie news which comes out relatively weekly uh, i've got the seventh chevron which is my stargate podcast which comes out every other week or so when we actually make it happen uh and my new show which i'm really excited about which i'm 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 determined to start getting it out on a regular basis is a uh, queer studies, which is uh, a show for straight slash cis people who really want to know how to be allies to their LGBTQ friends. And that's what, that's what the show is, is all about is, is uh, teaching you how LGBTQ people live and, and showing you that they're just like us, just a little bit different and there's nothing to be scared of. So check that out. Show out all of it on the Simply Syndicated Network, simply Syndicated.com, You can find it all there.
3: And you and and folks, you you do learn things listening to it because I listened to the first episode and I was, oh, I didn't know that I didn't know that
2: <laughs> you know because it's it's things that I'm learning stuff. Um. Yeah,
3: it's, it's things that you you don't feel comfortable asking because you don't want to be seen as being insensitive. You know, and then but but to have it just explained to you, it's it, it's it, it's it's really good. I enjoy it. I enjoy the show, but um. Kennedy, you have anything you want to plug?
0: I, I think everybody should line up to see the new Chips remake movie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, I'm looking. You know, I, I, not since since the Dukes 2005 have have we seen a, a quality remake of a treasured classic childhood TV show like we're about to see here <laughs> with Dax Shepard. Um, no, you know what? Just l- listen to everything Rick does uh, and everything the podcasting flame alight.
3: Love you, man. <laughs> John, do you have anything you want to plug? Nope. Nope. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm not. I'm not nearly as active as you two. So I just, uh, you know, when people invite me to stuff, I, you know, I might, I probably
3: show up and talk. So
1: everything they just said.
3: You want? You want to? You want to come up with a haiku to give us at the end? Uh, no. <laughs> okay.
1: But, but. But I did, I did, um, I did come up with uh, a little something. Okay. Uh, So, you know, you've launched the YouTube channel and I've been, um, I've been thinking of like taglines. So, so I got, I got three of them and uh, you know, tell me what you think. Okay. Actually don't tell me what you think, but listen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, for, For the YouTube channel. Cosmic Potato now with more eyes <laughs> cuz it's YouTube. Oh, Cosmic you Potato there. The smell from the underground. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, last but not least, Cosmic Potato part 2, Tuber continued.
3: Uh, I oh. knew I knew you were going to say tuber and something. I didn't know it. it's not a it's to... not a tuber. Uh, <laughs> something <see> like that. <laughs>
1: Not a yeah, <laughs> I worked hard I worked hard to get some spud in
3: but I just just couldn't do yeah. it <laughs> of course you can listen to all of our past episodes by visiting our website at CosmicPotato.com or subscribing to us on iTunes, Stitcher or Podcast Addict on the Android store make sure you rate the show and give us a review so that we can make the show easier for people to find in the future and uh, thanks to uh, Rick, Kennedy and John for being here And thanks to all of you for listening. We got some good topics planned for 2017. So make sure you check in often and be sure to join us on the next episode of cosmic potato, the super fan talk podcast. When you might hear John say, no, that was it. That was the thing. I just, did."